You're listening to Welcome to Iloma, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. This is a space where we talk about becoming architects of change. So I'm a big fan of walking the walk, not just talking the talk. And today's guest feels quite similar. It's human nature, I think, to not like change. However, I think we can also agree that the only constant is change. And I think we can also say that some change is better than other change. And I also think it's fair to say that some of us are fueled to ignite change more than others. And I think that's just, you know, something to explore, something that's, hmm, there's there's something there. So today's guest has dedicated her work to helping others build their businesses to incite change in the world. Carly Cunningham is a big thinker, growth strategist, and speaker at Big Bold Brand, where they're passionate about helping their clients build a thriving organization that fulfills their purpose. She's wildly dynamic and a lady on a mission. I'm so excited to have her on the show today. So let's jump into this. Welcome to Eloma Carly. Hello, Kylie. I am so thrilled to be here with you and hello to your listeners. All right. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm just going to toss this out there. This might get a little rowdy. I don't know what's about to happen, but let's let's get into it. So Carly, I want to give you full credit for this phrase, architect of change, because you're the first person I heard use it and I love it. So tell me a little bit more about what this means to you. Well, I'm going to I'm going to redirect credit to someone we both know and adore, uh, Pamela Slim, because she Ooh, is my business coach. This right? is Pam? Okay. Shout out. Hey, Shout Pam. out to Pam. This is Architects of Change is, is her word. My my this came became of and came from her to me to you, because I love working with innovators disruptors, those who push against the edges of the box and the status quo, Mm -hmm. um, the change makers of the world. And I'm going to say this, the change makers for good. But I mean, the hard thing is, is we all have perspectives of good. So let's park that because we can rabbit, we will rabbit hole that today based on what we're talking about in the green room. (laughs) But let's get back to what is an architect of change. And I like to ground myself in in definitions because I'm a creator myself. So I can take things and tag things on them. So I did look it up because I knew it was coming as a question. And, and <laughs> by, by definition, when you go to, when you go to the, go to the Google, it says a person or company that initiates wide reaching changes within a company or industry. And I would, I mean, here I go, going to tack it on or the world. So for me, that's a change agent, an agent of change. Yeah. Then when we look at architect of change in the big, bold brand perspective, which in our company perspective, in my perspective, an architect of change is a company or a person or an organization or a group of people that challenges the status quo, questions, disrupts, and innovates to intentionally architect change that is needed in our world right now. Ooh, baby. So who all wants to raise their hand? Because I think we got a lot of a lot of work ahead of us, <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, that's yes. amazing. <laughs> yes. I want to um, make dis- a name tag for myself right now. And then like, maybe, but you know what? I want to partner with somebody to make a necklace that says architect of change. And then like, let's just sell this shit. Okay. All right. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. I'm into it. Now I got another thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, where, where are our lovely minions who can take these ideas and run with them um, and, and be creators on their own. So anyway, architect of change. Okay. Love that. <laughs> love that definition. Thanks for tossing that out there. Cause I'm a nerd freak too, or a, a word 
word nerd freak too. So I, I love that. And that's so heavy. So yeah, d- dive into that a little bit more for me. What what's what's all there for you? Well, let's get it spicy right off the bat. So on a on a personal history level, I feel like I'm always dancing between this place of safety and stepping into a place of change and taking the spotlight. I I grew up, <laughs> I laugh. I grew up, I have this vision of me when I was six or seven as a figure skater. And so I am I am very comfortable. I learned to be comfortable in the center of the ice with a spotlight on me sure. um, at a very young age. And so I have this. I was given this gift of learning how to be in that space and to to lead and shine and perform. And yet later, if we f- track forward in my timeline, I didn't really feel like everybody else in the norm, in the average. And that was in so many different ways in my life. But I think that the big facing decision was coming out when I was 18, 19. I mean, who comes out in high school in a conservative environment, you know, navigating risk? And so so being an architect of change has been something that I've almost been thrust into my whole life. And I do lead from a place of of knowing that my rights could be taken away. And you know where I'm going with this based on what happened in the U.S. right now. I am in Canada. I am watching the dumpster fire that is going on below our borders right now. And I am very aware that the taking away of women's reproductive rights puts my rights at risk. Because when I came out as a Canadian citizen, my decision to come out, not my decision to choose my sexuality, that was that's just an innate piece of who I am. But to, to choose to come out, I was making a choice to forfeit some of my basic Canadian rights. And I am well aware that because in many ways, Canada is America's lapdog, and there's going to be people who are going to hate me for saying that, but we follow what you do because we are protected by the America. My rights are just down the line. They're maybe about third in line to risk right now of being taken away. I'm not cool with that. And that's just one of the things in the world that needs to change right now. So I get very fired up and I am very passionate about supporting architects of change through my business. So in my business, my purpose, my business's purpose is to fuel entrepreneurial fire and to help those that are creating the change in the world we need right now succeed and grow and thrive. Yes, 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 yes. So how are you seeing either your clients or those that you're witnessing that you may not be directly working with? How are you seeing them show up and manifest that change? What what are you witnessing right now? I'm witnessing the light bulb going on. You know, as people seek to educate themselves, as people have things forced upon themselves, they recognize that something needs to happen. And that something can 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 show up in so 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 many forms. I was listening to an interview with Billie Jean King last night and any female athlete in this world who has received sponsorship in the form of money, dollars and cents, any female athlete in this world who has received a check for winning has that woman to thank. And if we think back to that critical day in September of 1970, when things got signed and turned over, that was the start of women's rights in sport. So what I'm seeing is people fighting for what they believe in and looking down the timeline ahead of us and going, this planet is on fire. 
and, you know, the rights of people are at risk. And I mean, injustices, you, you name it, we're in such a tumultuous time. And you and I are both fans of and know Drew McClellan really well. And I think he said it right at the conference you and I were both recently at was we are in the next renaissance. Yeah, that was deep, man. Whether we like it or not. Yeah, exactly. Like you can choose right now to be comfortable and just put your head down or you can choose to step up and stand up for something that you believe in because we are right in the heart of or just about to step into the heart of creating what is next. And unfortunately, I feel like right now we're in a place where Generally speaking, I'll just toss out a blanket statement. Usually when you talk about what's next, it's like, oh, well, this is where we are now and now we're going to move forward. Well, given recent light of, you know, different events, I feel like we've taken steps back. And so what comes next is almost just like, let's just get to where we were and then try to figure out what future we want beyond that. And I just want to nod to your um, your comment of you know, you bring up Billie Jean King in the 70s. It was interesting. So I was unfortunately not in town this past weekend when the Supreme Court ruling uh, happened. But um, my teammate was went to a rally with her two young daughters and her husband. And uh, she was talking to me about it. And she goes, I feel like we're in the twilight zone. Like I'm looking around and like bell bottoms are back in style now. So it's like people are wearing bell bottoms. They have signs we're fighting for the same thing. It's like, what is happening? Like, what is happening? What is happening is we did not learn from history. We did. We do not learn from history. And history repeats itself. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. And so I think that's calling to all of us. Mm-hmm. Like if, if we want something to change, hello, we all have to do something about it. Yeah. And I think coming back to getting back to where we were, I was listening to we can do hard things podcast this morning. And there was one quote that stood out to me and I've heard it time and time again. It's what got us here is not going to get us there and new rules need to be set because obviously what got us to where we were as women and LGBTQTI folks having rights obviously wasn't the right combination of things wasn't the right path yeah right wasn't the right path wasn't the right concrete to set it in stone or Mm -hmm. whatever the invincible matter is in this world so yeah it's time to come up with a new alchemy you know and i think the optimist in me wants to say that there's a silver lining in everything having trouble seeing that right now but i want to believe that it's there but i think that it's a calling for us to all utilize our voices. And I think given technology and entrepreneurship, and we just have gone through COVID and this great resignation and all these people are arguably maybe for the first time really asking themselves what they want and what's important to them. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is, this is me speaking to humanity right now. Like, hi, fight for the things that matter to you. I, I was reading this book and this quote came up and I thought it was beautiful. It said, life is a brawl. Mm-hmm. Fight for what you want. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hot damn. Okay. Well, I'm okay. I'm going to push even farther. Ask yourself, what is at the heart of what matters to you and what you believe in? And where am I trying to get to? It hit me and I've, I've kind of lost the thread, but question what matters to you, right? I come back to what we were talking about in the green worm, where you found yourself directly opposed another human being 
But what you both got to is we want to believe in love and we want to care for others. Yet his perspective was that he was happy about what the what got overturned last week. And you're like, WTF? Like, yeah, what? Wait, what? And so we are both the smartest and dumbest beings on the face of this planet. <laughs> right? Because we can create all these things, but we don't think beyond the immediate and we don't value the ripple effect. That is one of my greatest pet peeves is you need to think beyond the next action and look around you and consider who and what does that affect, right? Like, yeah, 100%. Is he thinking about if his daughter ends up with an unwanted pregnancy, worst case scenario, she she gets physically attacked. I can't even use the word, the R word. It just viscerally sits. So it just is so harming. Yeah. The struggle I've had with this specific instance of overturning Roe versus Wade is that it's like a one size fits all type of thing. Mm -hmm. And there's just so many variables here. So just to loop it back so that we don't go yeah. <laughs> too far down rabbit hole, because we could probably talk about this for like days. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as we talk about being architects of change and fighting for the things that we want and we believe in, you're doing a lot of that work with the companies you work with and your clients. So mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit about some of the ways that we can use business and entrepreneurship to help produce some of the change that we're looking to see in the world. Absolutely. And I think the closest place I would, I would suggest to folks to where to look is, is what close to things that are close to home. What's of meaning to you? Where, what needs to change in your community? And community can be far reaching. You know, you could have a global community. Who are the people who look around you and, and understanding and reevaluating the value of life and what you want, who are your people and what are the things that they need and want in the world right now? And specifically, I'll, I'll give you an example. One of my favorite brands and businesses is Skipper Auto. And that's so funny because I'm, <laughs> so they're, they are a fish delivery service, fresh fish, fresh seafood. Um, funny enough, I actually don't typically like a lot of seafood, but the okay. reason, right? So you're like, why are you telling me about this, Carly? So Skipper Auto, um, was founded by a woman named, named Sonia Stroibel, and she stepped into a fishing family. She, um, her husband's father, his name is Otto, and he had been a fisherman his whole life. And she as an entrepreneur, as a change maker, could see that the fishermen and their businesses, they weren't being treated fairly by the bigger entities that were buying from them, which was in turn not allowing them to support their families. And she was said, okay, this needs to change. Mm -hmm. And so what they've done is they've created a community, a cooperative of sorts of fishing families, and they have a subscription service for those who love fresh seafood and who are willing to be flexible about what they put on their plate. So if it's a bad year for shrimp or if it's a bad year for salmon, they will still have their delivery. But something else is inevitably flourishing at that time. And so they have created this ecosystem of sustainability that protects our fish and our oceans because they're not overfishing, that feeds the families who work in the business, that sustainably feed families who want to put well-managed, you know, isn't supporting fish farms, so to speak. So she's created this amazing business by serving a community in need. You know, I love this example. Thank you for sharing that because I think so often when we think about change and this beautiful term architects of change, it feels so singular, mm -hmm. but 
change to your point has a ripple effect. And again, to your point, thinking about what matters most to you, oftentimes we can create systems of change that are interlocking and can touch on all these things. So you just talked about that that one example was we're changing the way that we're interacting with nature. We are changing the business element. We are changing the health and the nutrition of the families involved. Like, so there's so much change in taking this new approach to things. And I love that. So I, I toss that out to all of the listeners out there. Like, Sure, let, let's get riled up about whatever it is that matters to us, right? But think about one, that ripple effect. And two, how can we create a system that continues to like self-sustain this system of change? I mm-hmm. think that's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the those are the folks that I love doing doing work for and with. I don't even say, yeah, with. I think with is such an important term. So Okay. So great example, how a business is utilizing the business, leaning into the business to create change. So tell me a little bit about the experience you've had in terms of watching clients or businesses lean into change and then see it positively impact their companies. Mm -hmm. The leaning in process often has them. I mean, I just had this vision of leaning into you pushing into a wall and all of a sudden your head hits the wall, right? Like there just, there's, there's a barrier there. And why I say that is because so often when our clients come to us, it's because they're not able to clearly articulate the change. And mm. they, they so often have to be educating because people aren't seeing beyond one, it's understanding what they do. So I talk about the Grover analogy of the near far. Right. So, so they're, they're, (laughs) they're way far back here at a level of a PhD in their expertise and understanding of what needs to change, why they've developed their service because they've seen a gap or something that needs to be fixed. And now they have to bring it forward to the near position so that they can meet people where they're at. And that's a very difficult thing. I mean, you and I both know once you get steeped in your expertise, you're, you have to go back to the what's the 101 level? What is the beginner level? What it's the terminology that is inaccessible? And so, so often our clients are coming to us going, okay, so we know the world needs this. We know we have a solution or, you know, that can plug into a greater system or that we can create the layers of the system to create that change, but people just don't understand us. And so mm-hmm. part of that evoking the change is understanding how to meet people where they're at and then accepting that there is a big role in education that comes with that. And yes, and communication. Yeah. I think as human beings, we fail miserably to effectively communicate. And in order to educate, you have to find some effective form of communication that could look like a lot of different things. But I, I, fully, I fully agree with you. I think if we as a, as a people can do a better job of educating with grace, mm-hmm. you know, be pa- let's all and be understanding. a little more patient. Grace, yes, understanding and, and effective communication. Like, I just think that there's a lot that could come from that. Mm-hmm. And the, the, one, the one thing that I want to share with the audience is my favorite thing to say is draw pictures. Draw pictures? Yeah. And I use pictures to, I, I had to get on my whiteboard the other day with one of our other clients and maybe I'll walk through this, but we as a species communicated visually. Think about it, caveman drawings. 
Oh yeah. Cave cave people drawings. Let's just let's just go cave people. Cave right? people. So we told stories through pictures. And when you remove the layer of audio and you remove the complexities of language. Yes. And even dialect and even regional language. I think about England and, and all of the accents because people have been separated and even trying to understand some, you know, between north and south of that island, right? So you strip that back and you get to a layer of simplicity that is accessible to, to everyone with sight. I don't want to forget that we need to consider accessibility, yes. right? Accessibility. Sure. So, you know, one of our clients, Forensic Guardians International, her experience is with NGOs and she is a forensic anthropologist, right? So if you know what a forensic anthropologist is, you're like, oh, that's essentially a detective for the deceased to find out what has gone on, how, what happened, what is the story here? They have to bring that narrative. If you don't understand what those terms were, which even when she started working with us, I was like, okay, I really need to understand that title. What does that mean? What do you do? What do you do in the context of your business? And so there are so many layers to her business. She has she has a product aspect of her business. So we're, we're going to go into an uncomfortable space here. And this is another part of her challenge in communication is her product-based business. They develop body bags, body tags, and grave markers. Like, I wish the audience could see your face, right? You just instantly got uncomfortable because as a, as a race, as a society, we are uncomfortable with the topic of death. So that's one of her service offerings. Another of her service offerings is Megan has helped many families reunite with their loved one, either departed or I will say lost. They could no longer speak for themselves. So you've been in an accident, you've ended up in the hospital, you're in a coma, you're in a lasting coma, you can't speak for yourself. What and how part of how she does that is through through um, unique body identification, meaning oh, I broke my arm at age of six and I have a fracture scar in my bone. I have a tattoo on my left shoulder. I have specific dental work. I have metal inserted into my body to repair that break, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we all have unique identification markers within our body. But here's the thing. We don't typically document those things, right? We just go off on our travels and should an accident happen? Well, oops, you know, or should a catastrophic event happen like a plane crash? We just don't think about these things and we don't want to talk about them. But those things are key and critical because media has taught us that DNA is the answer. Well, DNA is not always the answer. So there's that aspect of our business. And then they're working on building a platform for folks who are going into at-risk spaces where they can record these body identifiers. So should something happen, they will be reunited with their family. So if we talk about the purpose driven business, her whole purpose is not to sell more product, not to sell more services, not to build a, you know, platform. Her purpose is to reunite families with their loved ones to prevent ambiguous loss. So they're not forever searching so they can move on with their lives. So why do I tell you this? Because of the complexities of that business and coming back to communication, when we're writing the brand story for her, and to, to help get everyone, including Megan, clear, I had to, I, I've drawn it on the board and I've said, okay, so if this is the scenario, then who is all involved in this? And how does your business work? And how does your business knit everyone together? Because when someone has an accident in a foreign country, it's not just about hiring forensic guardians and sending Megan and her team in. It's about 
dealing with the NGOs, dealing with your government and their government and access. And so there's this complexity of layers. But when we, when I drew the picture, it became very, very clear to me and our writer. And we were like, yeah, now we can see all the moving parts. So I know I rabbit hole, but my whole point here is often to be a change maker, to educate people, we have to boil things down to the simplest form and be able to create accessible communication. Yes. And I want to piggyback on, you know, as you brought it back to like, what is the purpose of her specific company? And I, I offer this to anybody listening. What is the purpose of your company? And also think about the fact, like whatever that is, there could be all kinds of other companies out there they have the same purpose. They just have different tools and techniques and resources mm-hmm. to try to make that happen. And mm-hmm. so again, in the name of communication and education and community, I encourage everyone to like explore what that could look like. Those might be some of your greatest partners and allies, mm-hmm. you know, in the world and especially in business and entrepreneurship. Carly, I want to dive into uh, community just for a second here. Mm-hmm. So community is something that, you know, is important to both of us. And uh, I wanted to just ask what communities have you found to be more in most influential for you and how have they assisted in your growth both, both personally and professionally? It's interesting because I, because I can't help but go to the people that are the stewards of those communities. So I'll, I'll throw out three names and we can talk about each of them. Most recently, it's Drew McClellan and almost combined with Stephen Wessner. So they are they are best friends. Uh, Drew runs Agency Management Institute and they're Build a Better Agency Conference, which is in a way where you and I first came together. We had met previously, but that's where you and I were like, oh my gosh, like we are so aligned and sharing the same <laughs> values. And I found that with that whole community, it is it's just yeah. so built around generosity. And as one of our good friends who we found out, I was like, wait, you were at Susan's last week. I'm going to be there next week. How are we like, and, and her, <laughs> what is her term about being something helpful? There's an adjective in there. Oh, Relentlessly, relentlessly helpful, relentlessly helpful. Yeah. yeah. So, so those two communities uh, embody that. You you can't be a part of that community and feel like you fit if you if you aren't someone who believes in service and being relentlessly helpful. From another community was started by Vicki Saunders, and that is the I keep wanting to say CEO community. Um, a lot of folks will know that name. They've just rebranded as Coralus. Oh, really? And if you want to, you want to see an example of a brilliant name and rebranding. Go seek out the de- why they went with Coralus. It is it's it's absolutely beautiful and makes so much sense. So the Coralus community, and then um, coming back to Pam Slim. Um, her latest book, The Widest Net, she has created a community around Ke and their their learning community uh, right in the heart of Mesa. And so if I if I think about what all of those are in Coralis terms, it's oh now all I can think of is relentlessly helpful is um, radical generosity. And one of the things I learned from Pam, and I love this is, as the colonizers, as the white people who step into things and, and try to build things saying, oh, well, we know better. We have all the power. Let us bring our power to you is letting the community come to you 
and letting the community start to weave and build itself and tell you what it needs and then being offering support or being in support or just stepping into support. Like you don't even have to offer it. You can witness what's going on and simply step in and add your hands and add your help and add your expertise as it's requested. What I love about that approach is it's a listen first approach. Yes. I think so often, and I'm totally guilty of this myself, I admit it, we have feelings or whatever about something and we're like, oh, I I have to have my voice heard. Mm -hmm. But what I'm hearing you say is like sometimes the most impactful way to make change is to first listen. Absolutely. And then figure out where you can make the greatest change. And I think that's really wise. And I I wish that there was a little bit more listening in the world. And and I'm... I take that to myself as well. Oh, me too. I'm a raging extrovert. I am the first one to, (laughs) I am the first one to fill a gap and I am not good at reminding myself you have two ears and one mouth and use those in proportion. Ooh, I like that. Two ears and one mouth. Use that in proportion. (laughs) I don't have children yet, but someday when I do, I'm going to, I'm going to be like, don't forget, Carly said. <laughs> They'll be like, Mom, stop quoting Carly at me. She's a smart lady. Thank you. I love that. I love that. Okay, Carly, just so that I let you be on with your day at some point in time, a couple of things I just want to ask you as a wrap up here. And this might lead us into a lengthy <laughs> answer, but I'm going to challenge you to <laughs> All right. keep it tight. Carly, what impact do you want to make on the world or what legacy do you want to leave? It's funny, I'm still stuck in two ears and one mouth. And, um, but, uh, good. <laughs> yeah. Right. What is the impact I want to make on the world? I, it comes back to what I share with you as my purpose. The impact that I want to make is I want to accelerate those doing good in the world. And I think that when I say do good, it's do good for humanity and cause less harm. And so I am very excited that I've been working for. Well, it's probably my whole body of work, but focusedly, focusedly, is that a word? Anyway, it is now because I said it was focusedly for the last 10 years. I'll just say it confidently and everybody will believe me that it's a word Yeah. on building a system that started out helping people solve their brand and communication related problems that has now turned into a system that helps companies develop the strategy before the strategy, the strategy that can guide everyone and everything in their business. And we called it the surefire process. And that excites me. And the legacy I want to live is getting myself out of the way of the bottleneck so it can scale. I'm not going to say so my business can scale because that's actually not something that I want for my life. I don't want to be responsible for that. But finding others who are excited about the system, who want to leverage it within their own business and help unleash these powerful architects of change. I love it. I love it. My follow up there is what is your greatest insight or discovery about life and entrepreneurship? Life and entrepreneurship. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to go with a recent one because I think it's really important to talk about, uh, especially for women. Sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of the time we need help and we don't know how to ask for it and we have perceptions of what can help us that are getting in our way. and. This is the first time I've publicly on a, you know, podcast where I don't know who's listening have have talked about this is that for 
probably my whole life, I have struggled with anxiety. And that is something that I have spoken about. But for the past 15 years, since a therapist said to me, so do you do you drink? And I said, yeah, like on Fridays, I'll go out and, you know, go to the pub with a few friends, have a few drinks. She's like, huh, do you smoke weed or do drugs? And I'm like, where's she? And then my brain went, ding. And I went, oh, are you asking me if I self-medicate? <laughs> she said, yes. And I looked at her questioningly. She goes, well, usually people that vibrate at your frequency need something to bring them down. And I said, oh, interesting. I said, no. I said, but I do I do self-medicate with exercise. And, and recently, due to yay perimenopause and yay the layer of the anxiety that I've always managed to control, or I don't even know, manage, not control, manage, I just couldn't manage it anymore. And so the only solution was, well, we tried several solutions because I was pushing against and I have always pushed against, I will not take anti-anxiety, anti-depression medication. To me, that was just something that I had built a narrative around. So I think this is part of a discovery around what are the narratives that we're telling ourselves that aren't working for us. And I finally relented and went, okay, I will try this medication. And it has been one of the best things that has ever happened to me and happened to my marriage. I am so much calmer, so much more effective. I mean, we had to go through the process of finding the dosage that worked for me, but I now call them my happy pills. And, and I, you know, right? Like I, 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 for good I, reason. I, for good reason. And it's funny, I told a friend this the other day, and it was like watching her read a novel when you see somebody who's, who's reading something that viscerally affects them. I said, you know, I said, I, I've had these moments as I have adapted to this and embraced this, where I have realized I've had these moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, is this what happy feels like? I said, I haven't felt that way since I was a kid. And she almost cried for me. And I mean, I'm just so blissed out living in this place of whatever was going on in my body hormonally with cortisol or dopamine that was just, it was just broken. It was just, and I was trying to do it all on my own. So my point here is, understand where you need help to live better and be better and be happier and check your narratives to see if you're getting in your own way, but also to ask for help. So what I'm, what I'm hearing uh, is dial up your self-awareness, get out of your own way and don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And look for solutions, try solutions because the word there is try. I mean, Yoda, I know Yoda says there is no try, but you can, you can let, I, I can at any point in time, if, if this medication or that medication or this solution or that theory or this lesson or this teaching is not working for me, I have agency over my own choices and I can be like, no, it's not working. I'm going to try something else, but, yeah. but be brave enough to, to find something that works for you. Be brave enough to try. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, there's so much that can be said about courage and bravery. Um, but I think we all owe it to ourselves to be our greatest, our own greatest advocates. Mm -hmm. Cause if we're not who the hell else is, if we're lucky, maybe our spouse, maybe I am hopefully. That lucky. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. But we have to make sure that we value ourselves without question. in order to really be able to show up in the way that we owe it to ourselves and, and how we can really help architect change. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that was a nice little. Whoop. I was just Bow about on top. To, yeah, I was just about Bow on to, top. You got it. You nailed it, girl. There we go. All right, Carly. Uh, you are a delight. Thank you so much for your time. If any of the listeners here want to reach out and get in touch, what's the best way to contact you? 
I spend most of my time on LinkedIn. Um, so uh, my name is a bit of an unusual spelling. It's K-A-R-L-E-Y. Cunningham is Google will correct you if you get that one wrong. Uh, <laughs> and um, I'm also on Facebook. I encourage you if you reach out to me on Facebook, tell me why you're reaching out to me on Facebook. Because if I don't recognize you, I will probably be like, yeah, no. But if you find me on LinkedIn and you've got a business or you're you know, an agent of change, there'll be a yes, accept that invitation. And uh, my company website is bigboldbrand.com. Love it. All right. Well, um, thank you so much, Carly. I so appreciate you having you on the show. Um, for all listeners, uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast or this episode, please go ahead and leave a review on uh, whatever platform you're listening to. To continue learning how to better build your business and make your vision a reality, subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com.